The Long Haul Podcast, America's Irish Voice. Interviews with inspiring immigrants, renowned Irish personalities, and discussions on all things Irish America. Presented by Michael Dorgan. Gavin, we're just going to move on to another big story that's been uh, in the news the last couple of, uh, maybe the last two weeks. Uh, the potential for a double header on St. Patrick's Day in Madison Square Garden, Katie Taylor and Michael Conlon. Uh, what's your uh, latest news on the possibility of that happening? And that will be something else. Yeah, it would be something else. Unfortunately, I don't have a scoop for you. I suppose that my latest is the same as yours, which is that it is a possibility still. And we hope it does happen for convenience sake as much as anything, because it's a kill two birds with one stone sort of trip. Because, as you say, a biblical night for Irish boxing where you'd have uh, well, the national treasurer and Katie Taylor fighting the Serrano in probably her most significant fight since the 2012 final. And and uh, who, again, like a, is an Irish amateur great, finally fulfilling his destiny as he sees it fighting for a world title, let's say, against Lee Wood. The way it's transpired, or I suppose what's generated some chat about it potentially happening, is that uh, Conlon, who's promoted by top rank, was set to challenge Wood for uh, Wood's WBA title. Wood is promoted by Matchroom. The fight went to a purse bid, which means that both promoters basically bid for the fight, bid for control of the fight, if you like, or the promotional rights to it. Um, Matchroom, Eddie Hearn's crowd, outbid Top Rank, who uh, promote Conlon. So basically Hearn gets to decide where he stages it and so on. Now, you've got Conlon in New York, uh, usually in the theatre at Madison Square Garden every Paddy's weekend. It's, uh, I mean, it's an institution in its own right at this point. And... Um, very much tradition for a lot of traveling Irish boxing fans. And from Hearn's perspective, he wants to do Taylor Serrano in the big room at Madison Square Garden around that time. Now, if you are looking at uh, an Irish population of however many thousand, um, a portion of whom will pay to go and watch a fight, uh, you're probably thinking, will they go to two? No, right? So they might go to Conlon because they go there every year. It'd probably be Paddy's weekend, whatever. You might have to move Taylor to early April. Again, people aren't going to fork out for it a second time, arguably. So from Hearn's perspective, why not eliminate the competition, which is what I think he did by buying the rights to this fight, for want of a better term. Mm. So you almost take that Conlon weekend under your umbrella, move the whole thing upstairs, have Taylor Serrano, biggest women's fight of all time, and also have your guy in Lee Wood against Michael Conlon, who will bring with them, what are we talking, five, ten thousand extra bums and seats? So it makes good business sense. And I hope I'm not talking absolute gobbledygook here. We'll find out it's in Nottingham next week or something. But yeah. it just seems to make sense, doesn't it? Well, just uh, I was just reading earlier today, and uh, Eddie Hearn has uh, said he it's it's going to be either Nottingham or, uh, or Madison Square Garden. There was a couple of other arenas thrown around, and he said he's narrowing it down to two. He, think, he thinks that he can fill a stadium in Nottingham. Uh, also, but he's weighing up the bo- both of them, so it's it's a live possibility whether it will happen. No, I don't know. Of course, another uh, spanner in the works could be the fact that uh, COVID cases in Ireland. Uh, we've got a bit of a lockdown here, a lockdown in Ireland again. Now, if it gets worse, maybe it could it, 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 it could throw everything up up in the air again. That's something that uh, has to be. Yeah, has well, to play. yeah, well, just just on that, Mike, I suppose. Like Katie lives in Connecticut, so that shouldn't be an issue from our point of view. And Conlon, technically speaking, is in a the British Mm -hmm. jurisdiction, I suppose, in that he's living in Belfast, where things, or at least in the UK, generally speaking, things seem to be a little bit more 
uh how would you call it what would you what would you say like free-flowing <laughs> uh, i wouldn't say liberal but um so it should be okay you thought he could be a factor excellent uh, i don't well look who okay. knows with yeah, yeah. Virus, you know but um no from a, i say from an irish governmental point of view or something it shouldn't come yeah. into play at all the paddy's day fights with mick as you know gav have been electric in the hulu and if you can magnify that in the garden which is twenty thousand, twenty one thousand, i think the hulu six or seven thousand it would be yeah the show of all shows for the Irish population here. Hopefully, we can it, it can happen. Let's dive into just the two the two boxes at the moment where Conlon is in, in in his career and where Katie is in her career. Do you want to start with uh with Mick? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's. Uh, I think a lot of people have been impatient with him in a sense because he signed to top rank with such fanfare and he had made such a cultural impact at the Rio Games where he flipped birds at the judges. Obviously. Um, his tournament ended in disgrace, although it wasn't his disgrace, and it's subsequently been established that, uh, uh, well, a lot of the officials at those games were literally just corrupt. Um, he was robbed of a medal, ultimately. Uh, we, we've learned that in the McLaren report since. Um, and Top Rank have built him slowly. Uh, I'd say that his brother Jamie, who is his manager now, um, and MTK Global were, were part of that process as well. Sometimes I think when you have a kind of a familial connection in your corner, or overseeing your career, steering it, uh, that can uh, result in a little bit more patience than might be shown otherwise. Um, because naturally, big brother is going to protect little brother, you know what I mean? So what's the rush, ultimately? And Colin's still yeah. 30 years of age. He's a young man. He has probably been improving with every performance or, or like vaguely improving sometimes. But generally speaking, the trajectory of his performances has, has been an upward curve. His last performance against TJ Downey, I would say, was the best of his professional career. Looked really good. So I think he's ready, you know. I think he, he, he would argue himself he's been ready for a couple of fights. But against Lee Wood, it's a winnable fight. Um, Wood is very good. He, he uh, has broken Irish hearts a couple of times against Phil Sutcliffe Jr., against Davey Oliver Joyce. Yeah, I, like I'd say Conlon is a better uh, fundamental boxer than Wood is. If you were to ask me who carries more power, it might be Wood, but I think Conlon has enough boxing now to actually nullify a lot of that. It's a kind of fight where he might have to sink the gaff out, unfortunately, to win it and probably mm. box a little bit cautiously and just take the sting out of the proceedings, which might not be great for 15,000 fans or whoever many are in the arena at that point. But it's a winnable fight and it's a fight that I expect he will win. And it's for the regular title, Gavin. What's the, the difference there between a regular and a world title? Uh, yeah, I like I try not to pay too much attention to any of that because it's just such like I don't know can I swear, but it's such baloney. Um, <laughs> but uh, basically, there is a there would be a champion. So it's the WBA we're talking about. There would be a champion ranked ahead of Wood. They have about fucking five champions in every division. It's a disgrace. It's all a money making scheme, you know. Wood is like their second tier champion, and Conlon would be fighting for that title realistically people are just going to call it a world title and within the within the kind of paradigm of modern day boxing it pretty much is a world title you know (laughs) because you're fighting against a good fighter and these days a fight between two good fighters is usually for some sort of world title awesome so let's touch on uh, on on katie taylor katie knows that she's fighting next month of course in uh, in liverpool she's 35 uh and the fight potentially in march would be against amanda serrano so amanda serrano the puerto rican uh, brooklyn based fighter who is uh who they've been back and forth for the last couple of years uh no love lost between the two camps 
Katie fought her sister Cindy a couple of years ago. I think we were in Philly for that fight, and uh, there was some back and forth during the fight. So um, it's probably going to be one of the biggest fights in women's boxing if it materializes. Uh, is it going to happen? Uh, I've been fooled too many times to commit <laughs> to an answer there, I suppose. But it does look as though all like everything Eddie Hearn is doing, everything Point Peters is doing in uh, Katie's team yeah. points towards it happening. I think strategically things are are lining up now or being lined up so that it happens. I don't think the money is going to be an issue this time around. The last time I was speaking to Eddie Hearn about it, he was saying that I'm just going to have to fucking pay her, <laughs> you know, and, and like he, Serrano, he's basically that, that saying, Serrano, excuse me. Yeah, like she's obviously. So, like, if people don't realize this fight actually was agreed 18 months ago. Uh, well, it would have been May, April or May 2020 for the Manchester Arena. But because of the pandemic, uh, Serrano withdrew from the fight. She cited the fact that it would just be so much hassle getting out of the States. And because the UK was in a lockdown at the time, training would be an issue and so on. She was claiming she couldn't get into a gym in the States as well at the time, which. I know, like the states have, have different, as in individual states have different uh, legislature and, and whatever. But like, I know Taylor was also able to train away, so I'm not sure how much truth there was in that. I mean, look, if you want a gym badly enough, you're going to get one, right? But ultimately, it was just too much hassle for her. She withdrew, and that's how Taylor wound up fighting Delphine Pursuit in, in a phenomenal rematch and kind of put that rivalry to bed. So I suppose Serrano has signed on the dotted line before. And now it's an even bigger fight for her. She's got the YouTuber, Jake Paul, in her yeah. corner um, for all intents and purposes, negotiating on her behalf this time as well. She feels as though she will be paid her worth. Eddie Hearn feels as though he has to pay her what she believes she's worth, even if it means, from his point of view, paying over the odds. Taylor doesn't care about really any of this. Uh, she just wants a competitive fight. I would say a big thing that tips it, tips this, uh, in, in sorry, tips things in favor of the fight happening is the fact that Serrano has watched Taylor in her last couple of fights and Taylor hasn't looked great. Like her last fight against Jennifer Han in Leeds, I was over there. It just didn't seem like vintage Katie Taylor, really. Um, it's a kind of an opponent that she should have been able to get rid of, even though we know she's not a power puncher, but she should have been leagues above Jennifer Han, and actually, and she was, but still was a little bit scrappy, a little bit sloppy and didn't kind of see her electrifying self from my vantage point anyway. Yeah. And before that, she was she went hell for leather with Natasha Jones for 10 rounds. She won the fight. I thought she won it fairly comprehensively. But again, it's a bit of a war against an opponent that you would have thought beforehand uh, she should have no problem dealing with the way she did as an amateur so many times. So, um, or sorry, twice was it. But uh, if you're Serrano and you're looking into those performances, you're thinking, well, my time is now. Uh, yeah. Like, if... We were talking about this fight two years ago, Mike. I would have said to you and probably you to me that Katie would win the fight fairly handily. Um, what are we talking? Maybe eight rounds to two, something like that. Get over the early scares when Serrano's at her most powerful and then just mm. dish out an exhibition. Now, I'd probably be leaning towards Serrano winning the fight, if I'm totally honest. And that is just evidence of the fact that Taylor is 35 and she's been fighting for a long time because I don't think Serrano has gotten any better and yet my opinion has changed. So I guess yeah. Taylor must be either deteriorating or just hasn't looked uh, uh, especially good in the last two fights, maybe because she wasn't especially stimulated by the level of opponent or whatever. Um, but I, I would say signs would point towards Serrano winning that fight now a little bit more so, certainly, than they did a couple of years ago. Do you think, Gavin, if it does go ahead in Paddy's day and with Katie fighting next month, that maybe she 
mightn't be as like she's going to need to be fresh she's going to need to be fresh coming into that fight and she's been fighting all year and maybe there isn't a big enough gap there if it does go ahead on Paddy's day with the fight next month yeah I, I think from her point of view she probably I would say it was her decision if if there was any kind of debate around it she would have just been like no I need to fight her opponent Feruza Sharapova uh, you know isn't exactly the most dangerous opponent in the world I mean she's far from it really Taylor should deal with her quite comprehensively and I'd imagine for her, it's just about keeping things taking over, getting a okay. camp in beforehand, getting out, you know, hope, like hopefully getting only six or seven rounds, but max 10. And I guess just having that little bit of freshness, like it's almost the opposite in a sense. Uh, between December and March, I think is more than enough time for Taylor to recuperate and, and okay. even take Christmas off and then go back into a camp. Um, whereas I think if she left it from her last fight against Han until next March, I should think it's too big of a gap, but particularly at her age where you could stagnate very quickly or get back in the gym all of a sudden and realize yeah. I've turned old overnight almost. Okay. Perfect, Gav. Sounds sounds enticing. Sounds incredible if it goes ahead. We'll keep uh, keep our fingers crossed if it does go ahead and uh, we'll get you back on the podcast to uh, possibly preview a massive double header in Paddy's Day next March. Thanks very much for coming on. Of course, Gavin Casey here. You can follow Gavin on Twitter at Gavin Casey. And he also writes for the 42.ie. Gav, you have a, I saw that you were, you have a new book out as well with the 42.ie. Let us, uh, let us know what that's about. Yeah. Just behind the lines, it's called, uh, it's a collection of our favorite stories from a year. So myself and my colleagues, uh, well, I was going to say we throw it together. The boss men throw it together every year. It's in bookshops in Ireland and you can get it on www.the42.shop as well. 12 euro. Awesome. Gavin, thanks very much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Legend, I'll see you in March. And that's all for this week. Let us know what you think by leaving us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Long Haul Podcast or visit our website, thelonghaulpodcast.com. Please like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. This will ensure that we can get even more episodes to you more often. You can check out all of our previous podcasts on thelonghaulpodcast.com where we also have post-match interviews and reports on all of this year's New York GA Finals. And of course, a great story on the near 150 Irish runners who completed the New York City Marathon last Sunday. You can also read about other Irish-American sports stories and other news items on this site. Slán Gofol, and thanks for listening. Oh, you New York girls, can you dance the polka? And when we got inside the house, the drinks were passed around. The liquor was so awful strong, my head went round.